Hey, hey, this is Robin Walters from Tech.eu, and I'm joined here remotely, of course, as usual, uh, by Kristen Durham. She is the VP of startups of a company called Zendesk, I'm sure. A lot of listeners will know what Zendesk is and the history of Zendesk. For those who don't, you're in for a treat. Kristen is joining us from, from California. She got up early just for this call. I really, really appreciate it. This podcast episode is also supported by Zendesk, so thank you very much. Extremely kind of you. We're going to have a chat about her role at the company and the future of the company and the services that they provide and also their future here in Europe. Kristen, thank you so much for joining. Thanks for having me, Robin. Really great to be here. I mentioned you're the VP of startups. That is not a role that you hear quite often. Uh, you do, uh, but then even then there's different definitions of that role. So can you maybe explain a little bit about what that actually means? Happy to. So at Zendesk, in, in my role, what I wake up every day thinking about is how do we help more early stage startups become successful with Zendesk products and on Zendesk platform. So my role is one that is very go-to-market focused. We build community. We service the account needs of startups. We create content to help early users that are, are trying to figure out what to do with their customer service. We, we help provide them with best practices. So the things that we've learned over the past 10, 15 years, like those best practices we can transfer over as, as easily as possible. And then uh, from there, what we do is, is we help companies really build and create on top of our platform in delivering the kinds of customer experiences that they want. So my team is a team of about 15 people. Most of us are in the US today, but we have team members in APAC and EMEA and LATAM as well. And we service the needs of companies as early as say, two founders who have raised a pre-seed round up and through Series B uh, stage companies through a network of partners. Fantastic. I also saw that you don't only work with startups, but also with the venture capitalist community, accelerators and whatnot. Yeah, definitely. So we work closely with venture capital funds, accelerators, incubators as a really important partnership. One, for, for us to be able to identify great up-and-coming companies and make sure that the benefits of, of our programs are available to them. We also see those relationships as being really critical to helping inform the way that we develop product and go to market for startups because this, uh, no doubt, is the most dynamic end of the market that we serve. Uh, Zendesk is, is a company and is a software platform that uh, that really can service, you know, a, a two-person company uh, starting out of somebody's garage up through, you know, tens of thousands of employee traditional enterprises. And so what to do, though, within that is make sure that wherever you are in that spectrum, we meet you where you are with the needs that you have uh, to deliver on, on great innovative experiences for your customers. And so uh, a lot of what I have the pleasure of doing and my team has the pleasure of doing is kind of seeing the future of where customer support is going through startups and, and helping to telegraph that to the rest of the business. Yeah. I should have probably opened with this, uh, but what does Zendesk actually offer? You already lifted a bit of the veil with the customer mm -hmm. support software remark, but um, and also can you maybe walk us through the history of the company because it dates back to, I think, 2007 when it was created? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so Zendesk, Zendesk is a European company. We were founded by three guys in uh, Copenhagen, Denmark, sitting around uh, a table uh, as their desk. Uh, that's the name Zendesk. Mikkel, Morton, and Alex uh, started it in 2007. Uh, all of them came from the world of customer support and saw 
with the way that the internet was evolving, with the way that uh, mobile technologies were evolving, cloud technologies were evolving. There was just a better way to do customer support. And so they got together really with central ambition to create a, a great cloud platform that made customer support easy for businesses and their end users wherever in the world they might be. Before, customer support tools were heavy and unintuitive, and, and we really set out to make the first very user-friendly help desk in the market. And you know, 2007 was quite a different time in the market there in Europe. And so a couple of years after they founded the company, they raised capital from some US-based venture funds, moved headquarters to San Francisco, uh, hired some of the first employees here, and, and then really kind of grew from that point. We, we IPO'd in 2014, so it was in as a public company. And uh, at the beginning of this year, uh, it's pretty remarkable to think, but we, we crossed the billion-dollar uh, revenue goal that we had set for ourselves uh, back in 2016. So uh, from, you know, pretty humble origins of, of three guys at a desk in Copenhagen in 2007, we've really had the opportunity to grow a lot. Today, we serve tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of customers and, and millions of, of end users, which is a total pleasure. And, and we do that today, uh, not just with the core help desk software, but over time, we've really built a, a full platform that enables companies to deliver great customer experience across any channel that a consumer or, or a customer may want. Uh, we've also added sales uh, CRM tools to the platform over time, but always really growing with this core ethos and this core focus on, you know, how do we make service front and center to a company's growth ambitions? And how do we make it easy and fast and enjoyable for everyone involved in those instances because customer support can be you know that's that's the stickiest part and that was the inspiration for trying to bring some zen into this world because uh, it is a hard job and I hope that over the last year we've all learned a little bit more uh, empathy and patience with one another as we've you know globally kind of navigated this very new world but yeah our, our guiding light for all those years has been, you know, to make these, these interactions between customers and brands uh, just as easy and seamless and enjoyable as possible. Great. Well, we're going to go a bit deeper into the services and products you provide in a minute. Uh, but just to go back to the to the, sort of the journey of the company, which is quite a fascinating one. I think you joined almost right in the middle of it, 2015. Uh, it was already after the IPO, but just after the IPO. Uh, but it's you know almost six years ago. So how, how do you think the company has changed since you've joined? I think you joined from Silicon Valley Bank uh, in California back then. Um, That's right. Do you remember what compelled you to, to join the company and how has it changed uh, for the time that you've been there? I definitely remember, yeah. Uh, coming from Silicon Valley Bank, which is a fantastic bank, headquartered, as the name suggests, in Silicon Valley, but increasingly is a global bank and was focused on serving the commercial banking needs for venture capital and private equity funds and the portfolio companies that they invest in. And so when I was at SVB, I had the opportunity to help 
build the emerging markets practice there. Uh, initially, I was doing some market entry work for us in Russia and in Turkey, and then ended up taking over the reins of the Latin American business that we were building at the time. It was super nascent, but really exciting to be there with those early founders in Brazil, in Mexico, in, in Argentina, as, as they started to bring really new and creative offerings, particularly on the consumer side, to market there in their home region. That globalness and, and, and that desire to continue to do international things, but to do them kind of uh, not from the service provider perspective, but by getting in and, and really understanding what, what it meant to, to work in a product-led high-growth company, that was a big ma- motivator for me to uh, look outside. And, and at the same time, I still really wanted to, to find a company that I could work with that uh, had a similarly global footprint and ambition. And it's not always the case that, especially at that time, uh, even that SaaS companies that were primarily headquartered out of the U.S., so many of them only served the U.S. market. And Zenos was very different in that regard. From the beginning, you know, we've had a very global user base. And, and so for me, that was exciting to, to see the opportunity to continue to do those sort of international things when making the jump over. Yep, that makes a lot of sense. But why is it us in particular? You know, I, I actually met uh, our founder, Mikkel, at a conference in Mexico City that we were both speaking at. And, and I had known the team that was working in Latin America at Zendesk and, and just love the culture, love the approach to uh, selling and teaming and supporting customers. And I was very fortunate that, that Mikkel invited me to join the company as his chief of staff. It's a great place for me to uh, contribute while also learning a lot uh, on the job. And uh, over time, as with many sort of chiefs of staff roles, uh, we would spin up some special projects. And one of those special projects was uh, ours and us for startups program. And so as, as I kind of uh, felt the, the desire to, to own a program more directly, to own a business more directly, it, it really worked out well that in 2020, I moved out of that role and, and joined the business running our startups go to market. Fantastic. Yeah, I can totally understand that because I've met Mikkel, uh, the CEO, a couple of times over the years. Incredibly smart, incredibly humble. And also what I like about Zentesk is that they, they always try to keep sort of the, the startup DNA in the culture, even though they're you know almost 14 years old at this point. I really, really like that and I really uh, admire that as well. What do you think the future will look like? Uh, you've now been there almost six years. Uh, do you see yourself staying another six years? And, and how will it be different from the first you know, I I can see myself stayed another six years for sure. And in the you know five and a half six that I've spent here, it's incredible that a company can change so much, can grow so much, yet at the core, I think remain the same. And and on that point, really, the culture that that Mikkel and his co-founders uh, established within the company, but then. You know, every employee since that has joined has has really taken up the mantle of of, of adding to that culture and growing it. It's it's very customer focused, very customer centric. You know, we have a very strong service mindset, and and to me, I think that that resonates a lot. And you know, seeing it and and living it come through in the culture is something that for me is wonderful and helps me understand, like helps me kind of see how I could stay another six years or more. In terms of the business opportunity, 
you know, I think we're only just getting started, right? You know, as as we look at the growth of our market and the importance that customer service and customer support is playing now versus what it played five or 10 years ago, it's significant. I think it was at an event with one of the partners at YC, you know, back when we, the last in-person event we did in 2020 and uh, before before the pandemic really settled in. And uh, she said, you know, product differentiation today is is so hard. And what's emerging now is, is service differentiation in your business. And so as a lot of things that used to be, you know, potential ways to establish yourself separate from the competition have gone away, like service has, has definitely risen. So that I think thematically is one thing. Uh, another part, you know, we over the past few years have spent a lot of time in pivoting or, or repositioning our product set to reflect the way that we communicate now as consumers. And, and those behaviors have transitioned over into how we communicate as businesses. And so what I mean by that is, you know, social messaging is, is kind of eating the world of customer support. And, you know, whereas when the company was founded in 07, and even when we went public in 2014, the vast majority of contacts on the Zenith platform were still email-based. And really what we've seen happen and what's been accelerated by the pandemic is the adoption of, of social messaging channels for customer service and support. So we've seen WhatsApp rise in many markets around the world. You know, if you're an APAC line, um, uh, WeChat as well becoming increasingly important. But but that shift in how we as as consumers and as business people start thinking about the the relationship that we want and the expectations we have of of the brands we choose to do business with, uh, those are are changing dramatically. And within that, I think for for us as a business here at Zendesk, it, it opens up just so much opportunity to help companies redefine the way that they want to build relationships with their customers going forward. So I think for me, that is is really exciting too. And, and as I said, we're just only getting started in that world. As you mentioned, the uh, user behavior is changing, customer needs are changing quite rapidly. Uh, the channels are, are multiplying uh, and diversifying uh, quite a lot. Uh, but you also mentioned that you sort of diversified the products that you offer in the sense that you also do sort of a sales CRM tool and other services. Do you have uh, somewhere that risk of steering away from your core focus of customer support and getting into competition with, with you know, larger rivals that are, are dedicated to sort of those CRM tools or other tools that you offer on top? Yeah, it's a great question. We have a sales automation tool, a sales CRM tool, which it started as an acquisition, a company that was uh, founded out of Poland, out of, out of Krakow called uh, base CRM. We acquired it. Oh yeah, it was, I remember those guys. Yeah, yeah, I remember those guys. Yeah, I think I think that it was probably around 2018 that they joined the Zenesk family. 2019 maybe. And really, we knew that this was kind of the company that that made sense to to join Zendesk on both sides because they similarly had a very very strong approach and a strong focus on a great end user experience and a great agent experience or, or kind of customer experience within their products. So uh, compared to other sales tools, very mobile first, it was very intuitive, you know, how you create your leads and your pipeline reports and all of those things. And so as we think about 
expansion into other parts of CRM, really it's been customer demand that has motivated us to move into those areas as much as seeing the market opportunity ourselves. And so while we while we're very conscientious about the distractions that going too far away from home could potentially uh, cause, we've, we've been very intentional at, at looking at uh, opportunities like base, which is now Zendesk cell and and thinking about in a service first mindset kind of world what what would a CRM look like? How would you build that in? And so we do think there's still a lot of opportunity to build this uh, new kind of, of CRM, which is one that is very much based on the customer first uh, and, and led by what it's going to take to serve their needs well and to build a relationship with them that is, that is robust and long-lasting. Great. So from customer support to customers' relations, really. Um, so uh, how important is Europe still for Zendesk? And by which I mean, I assume you still have offices here, uh, but how, what percentage of your business is still from here? Is this still growth? Uh, do you still have a focus on hiring talent here? Uh, what's the deal? Yeah, um, I, I should have had the number uh, on uh, on the top of my fingers in terms of percent of revenue contribution. I think that I think that EMEA is about thirty percent of our total business, but maybe we can we can fact check that and and come back to it. But uh, what I can say is that Europe has been and continues to be critical to to our growth plans going forward. We have our primary regional headquarters in Dublin, Ireland. But in addition to that, we have offices in London, in Krakow, in Paris. We have go-to-market teams based in Germany, in Southern Europe. And uh, we just recently acquired a company called Cleverly.ai to join our team and to help us with uh, our continued investment in AI. And that team's out of Lisbon, Portugal. So we have a pretty broad footprint in, in Europe and the teams there continue to grow and continue to grow both both on the product development and engineering side as well as on the go-to-market side. And of course, uh, I, I, it probably goes without saying, but we still have an office in Copenhagen, which offers a great excuse for our founders to go back and, and have a visit. But that's been a wonderful office and, and one that has both a go-to-market focus and, and also has been the champion of a lot of our knowledge-based products uh, within the Zenesk offering. Right. And is it different for you to work with startups and accelerators and VCs in Europe than it is uh, compared to the US or is the experience uh, similar? The experience is becoming more similar, I would say. And and if we look back, you know, over over the last five to 10 years, I say the experience is more similar because today in the European market, there's more capital available than there ever has been before. There are more institutional investors as well as repeat angel investors. So whereas perhaps in some other markets, uh, like in APAC or LATAM, we would not only help the startups we work with, with their core customer support, but also with, you know, thinking about their pitch and and how to approach U.S. Uh, fund managers about raising capital. You know, that, that kind of need has, has gone away pretty significantly from European startups because the market there is 
is active and is vibrant and uh, in many cases is showing us uh, here in the U.S. and and in other places the way forward, uh, whether it be in in consumer technologies or in B2B businesses. So within my team, we go out and build relationships with these partners, VCs, um, with accelerators and incubators. And then we have a startup success team. So for companies that come to us through uh, those, those partnerships, we get in, you know, from day one and helping them think through implementation and the build and and what is it that they need to do to be successful, not just within us products, but more importantly, with delivering the kind of customer experience that's going to help them grow and really take over the market that they're targeting. Great. Fantastic. You mentioned a couple of uh, relatively small acquisitions in Europe in the past, uh, Cleverly Lisbon, based in Krakow. As a company, do you actively scout for those types of acquisitions or more opportunistic uh, when, when something comes along that sort of fits into the, the future strategy? So our corporate development team you know, has, has some strategic priorities and, and is looking, but uh, I'd say that you know, we are also always willing and able to be opportunistic when the, when the time comes. Uh, but certainly as, as we've, we've acquired companies in the past, it was always motivated by uh, customer demand and where we saw the market going and, and uh, where we felt there was opportunity to bring in DNA to the company that we didn't necessarily have. Or, you know, maybe if, and, and especially as we get bigger as a company, right? An acquisition really helps to to bring in a different way of thinking versus if we try to hire our way into building uh, a particular product or adding a new service to our offering. And so, you know, the the acquisition of base was was very much that, you know, could we have uh, hired engineering teams and, and built a sales automation tool over time? Yes. But um, that approach potentially would have been uh, too clouded by, you know, the core ship's uh, orientation towards customer support tool and, and, and that home base where we found. And so uh, for us, you know, bringing new products as well as bringing in the DNA and, and the experience of those teams has, has been critical in, in motivating what we've done. Uh, we our, our analytics tools within our products are powered by a company that was also an acquisition out of France, out of Montpellier, called Bime. And today, that uh, that product, uh, that team, is the base of uh, Zendesk Explore, which is the reporting tool within Zendesk that makes it easy for for folks to understand how they're doing on a on a monthly, daily, hourly uh, standpoint in there. And their customer support. Great. Well, we'll keep an eye out for future uh, acquisitions here in Europe. Uh, now that we're on the topic of Europe, when you joined the company, because you seem to have a really good understanding in the way that the ecosystem here has evolved in terms of capital and talent, uh, but were you already sort of familiar? I know you had an international role already at SVB, but um, were you familiar at all with the European tech ecosystem before you joined Zendesk or was that a learning experience as well for you? I think it was a learning experience for me. I was moderately familiar with the market. Silicon Valley Bank, my, my previous employer, had opened an office in the UK. And from there was looking at opportunities to uh, passport across Europe with banking licenses. Sure that that market has become much more uh, challenging with uh, with Brexit and things like that. But But I had a little bit of familiarity there. I think the other thing that brought me some familiarity to the European market early on was was that the investors who were active in Europe were more 
likely to be active globally too. And so uh, a great example is Atomico, um, which is a fund uh, first and foremost uh, active in in Europe, but uh, uh, they have early partners down in Brazil looking for deals there. And and so I had the pleasure of getting to know that team uh, again, sort of through uh, through those their their local investment. But when I joined Zendesk. Um, you know, even after the IPO, even in 2016, it was it was really exciting to me to see how important those relationships that uh, Nickel and our founders had with their European investors, how important those relationships still were to them. And so, one of the earliest trips I ever took uh, for Zendesk was to Copenhagen for an event that Index Ventures was hosting with a variety of their European founders. And uh, that was a chance to, for me to kind of see the European market up close and, and personal and, and in particular to see what the Nordics were contributing to the overall market there. So I, I'm still learning, though. I, I think mm-hmm. that's the, the thing. And, and, you know, honestly, when it comes to startups, we all are. These, these markets are so dynamic. <laughs> uh, the founders, the investors, the technologies, um, they're really changing a lot over time. And so as the market evolves, one of the things that continues to excite me and motivate me to get up and every day and, and open the laptop is is knowing that we have the chance wherever companies are in the world to get in and, and get active with them and, and to help them kind of realize their their aspirations and their dreams of what a, a great customer experience can be. Great. Um, we're going to wrap things up. Uh, let's have some fun for the last question. Imagine that I'm a startup uh, based out of Europe. We're 10 people. We're growing. We have a SaaS product. How would you pitch your Zendesk offering to me? Well, Robin, I, I think that you're the perfect time to, to start using Zendesk. The way that you talk and, and support your customers now is going to set the tone for how you are able to grow both in terms of your your upside, your top line acquisition, as well as nurturing that lifetime value and keeping those customers happy and growing with you. So what we can do for sure is through us a desk for startups program, we can get you started with our tools for free for six months. Uh, that's that's our commitment to to helping you preserve a little bit of equity while while you get this function up and running. But not just get the tools in the, in your hands that you need, but but really the expertise to see how customer service and sales can go hand in hand in creating those customers for life for you. So we'd love a chance to get started with you, any of your colleagues. I, and I think that I think that us, you know, kind of coming from a SaaS heritage as well, we will know the challenges that that are ahead and and are happy to support you through them. Wow, you handled that perfectly, especially because it's unprepared. So well done. It was a really good pitch. <laughs> Thank you a lot. <laughs> yeah. uh, but thanks thanks for shining a light on what Zendesk is up to uh, and what your role is as the company. Uh, thank you for supporting this podcast, of course. I wish you all the best, uh, both in Europe and beyond, and hopefully meet in person when we can start yeah. traveling again. <laughs> and if I may, I'd, I'd hate it if I didn't say this. You know, you asked a lot of questions about how we're growing in Europe, and we are, and that includes hiring, and that includes hiring for our startups team. So if you've uh, tuned in today and are at all interested in learning more and seeing how you can help uh, Zendesk help great startups in the European market. We'd love for you to to talk to us and join the team. Great. Well, that sounds like a fantastic role. So if you're still listening and you're interested, uh, reach out to Kristen. Uh, where are you on Twitter? Maybe they can reach out that way. You're not. Reach, reach out to me on LinkedIn. How about? <laughs> LinkedIn. It's Chris, Kristen <laughs> Burham. <laughs> I'm, I'm not the most social of people. So LinkedIn <laughs> is a much better place for you to find me. Uh, sure, or on WhatsApp. Enough. 
I, I, I won't share my phone number just now. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. And I'll share your uh, LinkedIn profiles in the show notes so people can find you uh, straight away. Great. Kristen, again, thank you so much for your time and uh, best of luck with Zendesk. Wonderful. Thanks, Robin. Thanks for having me.